0: is Behind the Cut with Christopher Grenland. the companion show to Not About Lumberjacks.
1: Horace is the first short story I've written in years. My focus has been on novels the last half decade or so. I wrote Horace for my wife, Cynthia Griffith, who also narrated the story for Not About Lumberjacks. Cynthia and I met in 1992 in the spring when we were both working for a small comic book company, and we had the pleasure of working with each other on comic books and many other projects, but it's been quite some time since we did something creative together, and that's one of the reasons I wrote Horace. I figured it would be fun to sit down with Cynthia and talk about the narration and the story. What did you think when I asked you to narrate Horace?
0: Ah, uh, this is my life now as a podcaster's wife.
1: <laughs> no, I
0: was, I was interested but very nervous. Like many people, when you hear your voice, it's not only a, a bit creepy but it's horrifying. Actually, yeah. Like I'm sure that when I go listen to this, I'm going to be absolutely horrified that you let me record this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, what were your thoughts when you were done actually reading the story
0: the first time through? Yes. I loved it. I mean, I knew you had written it for me, because I'm a big Bird fan, of course. It was a neat story. I really enjoyed it. Um, You always put a little bit of fantastical, magical elements in your stories, but they're always full of heart. It makes reading what you write fun. I really enjoyed it. It was nice. You, you work on novels so much now, and we have this little bit of a rule where you're not allowed to even tell me spoilers. I, I get mad at you and tell you, hey, this is a spoil-free zone. If you want me to, to know what you're talking about, you need to actually finish a story and give it to me. So it's been nice because you've been working so much on novels that I haven't really read much from you except blog entries. It was neat reading something very new because you had just finished it And I was able to read something new from you. And that was also a a big treat.
1: Right. And it's funny because this weekend I have been working on writing another story that'll be on a future episode of Not About Lumberjacks. And I'm still not quite sure how I'm ending it. And over the weekend I was starting to mention it to Cynthia and she was like, no, 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 you're not allowed to. No, no, you can't. (laughs) No, 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 no. So feedback has been really great with the Horace episode. In fact, it's now the second best downloaded episode of Not About Lumberjacks. And one of the things that I'm hearing from people who've enjoyed it is how much they like Horace's voice, which is much different than I imagined it. Why were you able to do Horace's voice so distinctly?
0: Well, I had birds uh, a large part of my life, but I actually did have a parrot. It wasn't an African gray. It was an Amazon. And the particular breed I have is not known for its talking. They tend to love sounds more. In fact, um, our parrot played the trombone. Yes, (laughs) But um, he was a mumbler, but I was very fortunate. One of the first times he pulled a phrase of his own together was right in front of me. So I got to see his his pupils dilate. I got to see the, the feathers around his throat start poofing out. And it was really neat seeing that close a parrot vocalize. And the weird thing about it is uh, we actually went through a couple of uh, variations of Horace before we finally started recording, because, again, the parrot that I had mumbled. It It was very... It didn't enunciate very well, and some words and letters were difficult for it to get out. And unfortunately, that doesn't translate well for most people who are maybe driving their car listening to podcast. So I had to fight what instinctually felt right with what I should be doing for the story. It also, to be honest with you, I, I was getting frustrated while we were recording it because I, I, I did record all the voices at once. Horace was the last of the batch of voices, I believe, which was probably a dumb idea because he has the most lines and is probably one of the more um tiring voices to do. And then I actually went through and did all the narration and uh the main characters dialogue, too. So that that was everything was done in one setting. That was very tiring. But. In my head, as I was listening to myself record, I I just thought it sounded like a a drunk, crazy Mark Twain, and I was getting very frustrated. (laughs) But I'm really glad that it actually did turn out well. It's it's fascinating to hear something sitting here like this, talking, and what actually comes through the RAW file is slightly different. And then the finished file is much better than you would expect. So even with basic equipment, it really was fascinating to see that, hey, this actually kind of worked.
1: (laughs) Well, aside from Horace, what other challenges did you face with the narration?
0: All the characters except for Horace, which you can still get away with because since he's been around a lot of women, he's going to pick up a, a tone that's more feminine because, trust me, that happens. Parrots will pick up their people's voices. Everybody was female. And yes, I'm female, but it felt like everybody was like the same basic age. It was trying to figure out how do I take my one voice with no background, I have no acting, no voice training, nothing, um, except an overactive imagination since childhood, and try to figure out how many different voices can I possibly do so that people know that it's a different person speaking. I mean, I really struggled with the mother she went through a lot of changes and I'm really glad that you helped me nail down that don't put too much into her just make her sound like she's just so tired of everything
1: yeah no definitely and I think one of the testaments to the job you did narrating is not just me but I've heard from other people how different the characters sound from you that if people who know you listened to it, they wouldn't have any clue that you were the narrator.
0: That's funny because there were actually um, a couple of times when uh, you let me hear the finished version, I looked at you like, where did you get that voice? Uh, well, yeah, um,
1: you asked if I put some things through effects and some other things like that, and I didn't. I didn't alter any of your voices except the intercom
0: voice. The intercom, yeah, but there were a couple times it was like, is that really me? Is that me? Seriously? That, that can't be me.
1: So how did you go about overcoming those challenges then?
0: Well, obviously, parrot. I I had that one that you know, just not going overboard with the whole hey, I'm a drunk crazy Mark Twain, but um as far as everybody else I I knew that I was going to be narrating the story just mostly with me, so just have my basic voice, you know, there Other things that probably would have been different if it were truly me speaking the lines, but, you know, like over exasperation, you know, squeaky voice, you know, when she has the argument with her mother, stuff like that, you know, I would do probably a slightly different than I would have actually handled it in real life. But it's mainly picking a theme or an individual like with Lauren, we were trying to think of just strong female presence, you know. What kind of actresses do we like? Do do we look up to? Is that that what we want to portray with the particular character? And then I, right before we recorded, I was pulling up on YouTube little interviews and trying to um, figure out how I wanted to do this.
1: Well, anybody in particular that you used?
0: Yeah, I did look up, uh, I can't even remember how old it was, you know, how old she would have been, but uh, Catherine Hepburn. And uh, I don't know if I nailed it, but I did like how it inspired me to come up with the voice, so...
1: Well, no, as somebody who, well, originally the story was going to take place in Connecticut and it is somebody who had a great aunt from Connecticut who sounded an awful lot like Katherine Hepburn and was kind of upper crust. You definitely did a great job with Lauren's voice. (laughs)
0: Cool. Well, I I know that everything takes place in Texas, and I'm sure some people probably hear a little bit of my Texas accent coming out right now. Uh, Sometimes when I get a little nervous or drunk, um, it does slip out. I used to have a Texas accent, but I really don't. A lot of people are confused when they hear me. They're not sure where I'm from. I didn't want obvious Texas accents. People have different accents, either by choice or by the people that they're around, and I, I didn't want to have her be like some rich woman, you know, <laughs> with a Texas accent. It's just, I'm not going to do that,
1: no. No. So are you pleased with the final version of Horace?
0: I am. It has made me nervous about whether or not I could do it again. And if I had to do it again, I, I have no clue if I'd change the voices or have them exactly the same. In fact, it's funny because before you were ever finished with the story, you had barely started writing it. And I actually came up with Horace's voice, but uh, we had been drinking. <laughs>
1: no, it was, not us. Yeah, but... well,
0: and, and I did it. And I was so nervous to test it out. But the look on his face, you know, I, I you... You were happy with it. It was like, crap, I need to write down how I formed the voice because I'm going to forget when I sober up three weeks from now and have to sit down and read it. I actually wrote an email to myself, you know, thrust jaw out, you know, basically do a backwards beak. You know, my bottom jaw was the hook of the beak, (laughs) you know, and... Just all sorts of things, and it was originally going to have them have a little bit more of a British accent, but if I wasn't careful, it really did almost sound too much like a Southern Twain accent.
1: <laughs> well, and it was funny because if I were going to narrate the story, I probably would have just gone with a very proper voice, almost. Oh, like, do it, please, 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 do it. Um. Okay, I'll have to. But what I was going to pull from was Nibbler or somebody like that from <laughs> Futurama. I do not know for sure, but I remember the Battle of Hastings, so at least 950 years old or so. The memory fades a bit after a few hundred years. So yeah, your version, much better.
0: (laughs) Arrogant little birdie there.
1: Well, you had mentioned not being so sure about future narration, but do you see yourself doing any future narration either for Not About Lumberjacks or other things?
0: I think it would depend obviously you're a little low stress you don't expect anything you're not paying me certainly for this <laughs> but I think I'd really have to be into the story get a f- you know like where you just feel like yes 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 this is a sort of voice I want to do or at least know that okay these three characters I I think I can figure out but on this one and maybe this one I need your help nailing down what you want because I'm not seeing it again because I have no training but I I could see doing it it's just I'm a little torn about whether or not I should read it straight through or do it the way we did it, where I read all these lines, then read all these lines, and then read all these lines, and then did all the narration. And I'm still not sure if I liked the choppy editing. It, It enabled me to stay in character voice, but I don't think it flowed as well as I would have liked it to.
1: No, I I can understand that. One of my things that I wish is that we had a more controlled environment and an actual mixer with a noise gate, and that's just something that kind of stops some of those mouthy (sighs) sounds like that. But for what we were working with, You did a wonderful job, and I think it's largely because you did such a good job that it's ultimately going to be probably one of the more successful episodes of Not About Lumberjacks, so thank you.
0: Oh, you're welcome, and you know, again, we'll see if I do another one, and I'm sure I'd like to, but we'll We'll have to see.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm challenging myself to write 12 stories this year, so I'm sure quite a few will be from a female point of view.
0: You know, there is one. I kind of gave you a hint of one challenge I'd like you to do, and I kind of think I might want to narrate that if it doesn't seem like an overwhelming thing.
1: No, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I think that would be a lovely project for us to work on again. Thank you for listening to Not About Lumberjacks and Behind the Cut. The music for Behind the Cut is a tune called Reaper by Razen. A big thanks to Cynthia Griffith for her narration on Horace and sitting in on this episode. You can visit cfgriffith.com for more information about Cynthia and nolumberjacks.com for more information about the music and the episodes. If you enjoy Not About Lumberjacks and Behind the Cup, please share it with friends or leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, be mighty and keep your axes sharp.